0: What a great song to start today's worship as we're in a series called Say Yes. Uh, if this is your first time being here or you haven't met me yet, my name is Samuel Mock. I'm the Next Gen and Streaming Ministries Director here at College Presbyterian Church. And I get the honor of bringing you the word here today. I'll open us in prayer and then we will begin. Heavenly Father, I just thank you just for all that you're doing in our lives right now, Lord, the things seen and the things unseen. I ask that you would slow our minds, calm our hearts, and allow us to hear from you today, Lord. Whatever was heavy on our hearts before we came in here, Lord, I ask that you would replace it with your word. Whatever was racing our mind before you came in here, Father, I ask that you would calm it and allow us to meditate on what you have to say for us today, Lord. I pray that you would help me get out of the way so that you may say what you need to say to your people. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name that I say, amen. Uh, so the first thing I want to say is happy anniversary to Drew and Kathy Smith, uh, the lead pastor here. Um, we'll be talking about a little bit about anniversaries today. And so I thought, why not start by saying happy anniversary to Drew? You clap for that. Marriage is a beautiful thing. I recently got married myself, so it's a beautiful thing. I'm learning the beauty of it. Um, Last week, Jennifer, our children and families pastor, opened up this series called Say Yes. And in her wisdom, she called this a family discussion. I love that because even if you're here for the first time today, you're welcome into a family discussion because God has extended the opportunity for you to be family through Jesus Christ, whether that's online or in the pews here. And my part in this family discussion is hopefully that I will be a brother who says some things that challenges you, some things that encourages you, and ultimately things that point you to the hope, or where our hope comes from at least, and that's Jesus Christ. I want to revisit some points Jennifer made last week because they're crucial to our entire conversation. She mentioned that Noah was 600 years old when God called him to build an ark. This is important because it reminds us that we're never too old for a new calling. After God limited the age of man to 120 years, he asked Abraham to leave everything he knew, his home and his family, at the age of 75. That reminds us that there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. She reminded us that God equips those he calls. You don't have to be greatly equipped because you have a great God who will equip you for the calling you answer. This series is about getting off the sideline and becoming a member of the body. A member participates in what God has for his church. Today, we're going to say yes to the next generation, and we're going to look at the story of Joshua to see how God has commanded us to do so. I thought I'd come in here with some statistics uh, to really grab your heart, and God said, don't give them numbers, give them people. And so with that, I'd like to give you a moment to think about those uh, that you know personally, friends, family members, or even friends or friends, or friends of your family members who have either walked away from God and the church or never believed in him to begin with. Take that moment. That's, that's what's at stake. I'm sure each of you has someone on your heart that that breaks your heart. That for whatever reason they have church hurt, they won't, uh, they've never believed in God or maybe they feel like God is not accessible to them because they haven't had people pouring into their lives and telling them so. Say yes to serving God and His kingdom. Follow me along in the book of Joshua, chapter 3, 14 through 24. It's going to be a lot of verses. And Jennifer last week admitted to you that she struggles in preaching. It's not her uh, natural gifting. And so saying yes to that is a big step for her. For me, a big step is reading in front of people. I think I signed up for the wrong job because I've never liked reading in front of people and I'm about to read several verses in front of you. But I'll say yes to what God calls me to. So Joshua 3.14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite to Jericho. The priests who called sorry the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had crossed had completely crossed on dry ground when the whole nation had finished the Crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place you stay tonight. Chapter 4. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone on your, on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial of the To the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them with him, sorry, and they carried them with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests Who had carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until the Lord, until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed the, the Ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched, The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 men armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest to come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner than they set their feet on dry ground than the wa- did the waters of the Jordan return to their place and ran at flood stage. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan, and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal Gilgal, the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What did these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you may might always fear the Lord your God. I love chapter 4 verse 23 because God parted the Jordan just as he did the Red Sea. And that verse tells us that we serve a God who can do it again. Uh, Whatever that again is for you, God can do it. Whether God saved your marriage before, he can do it again. Whether God healed you physically or mentally from addiction, anxiety, depression, he can do it again. Whether God has saved a family member or even saved your soul, and now you're praying for another family member or friend, God can do it again. See, we serve a God who has the ability to and can do it again. But it may not always look the way it did before. It might not happen with the same people it happened before. It might not ha- come from the same resource if it's your finances that it did before. Because just like with Moses the first time he parted the Red Sea, this time he used Joshua. So the people wouldn't rely in the resource or person that God had appointed, but instead in the source, God himself. That's a freebie. Now we're going to jump into what God is calling us to do with the next generation. So as we look at the text, Joshua commanded the people of Israel to carry the 12 stones in order to be a symbol of God's grace, provision, and protection on that day. The purpose of the stones was so that faith could be passed down through the family of the Israelites. Notice that this command is given to the 12 tribes or the families, not to the priests. And then also the second part is that God did this so that the people would fear him. Uh, and don't get caught up on this word fear. It's more like a holy reverence or a respect for God. This is similar to how a child may fear and respect their parents in a healthy relationship. But Joshua tells the people twice to to pass down the story to their descendants of what he has done, what God has done with these 12 stones. Uh, It's in chapters 4, verse 7 and 6, as well as chapter 4, verses 12 to 23. This is important because I believe God is driving home a point. The point is that... The family is to be the champion of passing on faith. God has designed the family unit to be the one to pass on faith, and the church is to partner with the family unit. On average, parents have 3,000 teachable, teachable hours with their children a year versus the church who has 40. This is why God in his wisdom charges the family with passing on faith. Again, we as a church partner with parents. Uh, Through youth ministry and children's ministry, we help to develop children in the ways of the Lord so they may know him. We also partner with parents. Uh, The way that we do that is through our growth groups. This is so that parents can learn and grow in their spiritual faithfulness as well, and then take what they learn in growth groups and pass that on to their children. Today is the day that I challenge parents to say yes to making God a regular topic in their home. No matter if your children are babies or if they're about to have babies of their own, this must be a principle for us. Parents, grandparents, and elders of the family bear the responsibility and the privilege to pass on faith to the younger members of their family. And some of you may be thinking, I don't know how to do that. I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't even know what I would say. I'm glad the text shows us what to say. See, because the stones are a symbol of what God had done. They're a a reminder of God's grace, faithfulness, protection, and provision. Your Bible is the same thing. It's a reminder of God's grace, provision, and protection in your life. And if you don't have a Bible today, we're more than happy to give you one. As you exit today uh, at the front desk, please ask for a Bible and we will give you one. And I urge you to start a Bible reading plan. Uh, You can find these online for free and you can discuss that with your family member if you're doing different ones. Say, hey, God taught me this. Man, God taught me this over dinner. Or you can do a plan together. But more than that, the stones are tied to a testimony because that's what God is actually giving the people. He's giving them a testimony of what he's done, of his protection, his grace, and his provision. A testimony is simply what God is doing in your life, what God has done in your life, and what he's teaching you currently. That's what the next generation needs. We need your testimony. We want to know why you believe. We want to know what God has done in your life. We want to know how God's faithfulness has changed your life, how his grace and provision and protection has impacted you. If you have a testimony, then God has given you everything you need to say yes to him and serve him today. Our Father is always speaking. Spend time with him and then pass on what he's telling you. Now, as I said before, the church partners to help develop the faith of the next generation, which includes babies all the way up to young adults. If you have a testimony, I urge you to begin investing in the church and our partnership today. You can do that by volunteering in our youth ministry, our young adults ministry, or our children's ministry. Remember, as Jennifer said, Last week, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. One example of that is Jenny Key, a faithful server in our youth ministry. She's been serving in the youth ministry for 30 years. That's older than me, the director, has been alive. Jenny comes week in and week out to teach our students about God and his faithfulness and the ways ways that he commands us in so that they may know him. Jenny even comes on week-long mission trips. These mission trips have resulted in Jenny flipping over in a canoe, scared for her life, breaking her arm, and trekking across college campuses like she's 20 all over again. But to her, it's worth it, because she has seen young students come to faith, grow in their faith, and some of them even turn around and serve in the same ministry that they learned about God and to begin with. If Jenny can serve in the ministry, so can you. Another example of saying yes would be two friends of mine, Amy and Scott Hager. The Hager served for God for years and after their children had left the home and left for the, mini- uh, for the mission field, they wanted to continue pouring into the next generation. They started by just having lunches for young adults at their home. They never knew that their faithfulness would explode into a ministry touching thousands of lives. Every other Thursday now they host over a 100 students, young adults, in their home. And these students come to be fed both physically and spiritually. They're challenged with the word as well as given a home-cooked meal. And whether you know it or not, you're impacted by their faithfulness now. I was one of those students that was a part of that ministry. Later, I'd be challenged with uh, being the lead teacher for that ministry. And that prepared me for this position here at College of Presbyterian Church. The Hague's faithfulness could have stopped at being an elder and a discipler. But God had called them to add another calling to their list and they said yes and for that we are blessed by their faithfulness i'd like to turn my attention now to the younger saints successor of moses or even moses's right hand man numbers eleven twenty-eight shows us this when it says joshua son of nun who had been moses's aide since youth we are called to serve even in our youth. Serve your family, serve your friends, and serve God's church. Be a leader today and watch what God does with your life tomorrow. If you want to be used by God in a mighty way, then it starts in the small things, so that when the time comes, you can be trusted with the big things. Often we receive God's grace and then we find our gift, and a crucial step in the process of finding purpose is finding humility. You may think to yourself, I'm a great communicator. I'm better than this guy for sure. I should be up there preaching. Or, man, I'm a really good singer, and I think that if they just knew, they'd let me sing on Sundays. Or, like, maybe you think, I'm really organized, and if I just ran that ministry, it would be so much more effective. I would do this different and that different. But I would say to you, "Served." Say yes, just as Joshua did, and know that in serving, you have an opportunity for God to work on both your gift and your character. Okay, so back to the stones. They symbolize God's grace, provision, and protection. That's what met the people of Israel there, and that's what the stones were a sign of. And I'm here to tell you that the same grace, provision, and protection— has met you in your life, whether you know it or not, and in a greater miracle than the parting of the Jordan or the Red Sea. See, chapter 4, verse 19 says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. This date to us is just a date, but to them this is important because the first day of the 10th month meant something to the Israelites. And as some Bible scholars, y'all are like, oh, I know where he's going with this. <laughs> that uh, was an anniversary, which is why I brought up anniversaries earlier. It was the anniversary of when God commanded his people to slaughter a spotless lamb and put its blood over their doorpost. He did this so that when God let his wrath out on the Egyptians who were enslaving the Israelites... They would be protected. So any door that had the blood of the lamb over it was passed over. That's where we get the term Passover. God placed his wrath on the Egyptians so that Pharaoh would let the Israelites go. Many years later on that same anniversary, God would provide his own spotless lamb. His protection and provision would be put on display in the greatest display of grace there's ever been. Because Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on his way to be sacrificed for our sins. His death and resurrection make us right with God. It's God's ultimate display of grace and protection and provision for us today. So it's with a glad heart that I say yes when God asks me to serve. Because I will give my all for the one who gave me his all. Allow me to close in prayer.